Well, good morning. Today we are going to be concluding our series, Family Dinner. We've been looking at the last several weeks, how Jesus hung out and had dinner with people all the time. And today I'm going to convey to you something that just, it, it doesn't seem right, but it's true that Jesus changed the world one dinner at a time and really calls us to, to eat dinner. To do that. And so today we're going to talk uh, more about that. But just to get you caught up, if you haven't been here the last several weeks, um, here is kind of how the table has been set. We have our fancy table here. Everybody like that? Okay, here's how the table has been set over the last several weeks. The first week, we talked about the guest list that Jesus said, all are welcome at my table. And he really kind of shattered a bunch of cultural barriers and brought people around the table that typically were not around the table. Uh, the second week, we talked about table manners. And our table manners in, in Jesus's table is all about our covenant our relationship with one another, that we are going to care for one another, we're gonna be hospitable to one another, we're gonna encourage one another on, and Jesus kind of breaks some of the traditional table rules, and he says, this is how it's going to go at my table. We're gonna be a people that join together and we make sure we carry one another's load. Uh, last week, we talked about the menu. We talked about how uh, at Jesus's table, it's kind of like a potluck dinner. Everybody brings something and there's always enough to eat and even a little bit left over when we all do our part. So this has kind of been a picture and a little bit of an illustration of what Christ's community, the church, is supposed to be like. And I like the idea that we're supposed to eat. That's a pretty good gig, right? I like that idea. But we haven't got to the most important part, and that's what we're going to talk about today. It's the meal, the actual meal. And so today we're going to talk about the meal. Um, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up as a kid, here's how it went at my home. Typically, my mom would make family dinner at night, and we maybe would be doing different things. Sometimes I was even outside playing. Uh, I know kids don't do that anymore, but I used to go outside and play. And I was, I'd go outside and play, and then you would hear, like, yelling from my front porch, dinner's ready, come on, you know, and sometimes I'd be halfway down the block, but you'd get kind of like, uh, mom would yell, it's time for dinner, and everybody would gather. That was a good moment. That was like probably the only thing that could get me in from, from all the other activities I did. But you, you, maybe you have been at that moment where everything is set, everything is ready, and kind of that bell, the dinner bell is rung, and it's time to eat. That's what we're going to talk about today. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 25... Isaiah 25, the prophet Isaiah says this about our experience with God. He makes us this promise to what, like the Messiah, Jesus, would bring. It says, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast 
of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. This is the promise of Jesus that there would be a table that would be set. There would be a banquet. There would be a celebration. And there's a couple of things that I learned from this passage. Number one is, is I think I need to drink some wine. I don't drink alcohol. But it says Jesus is going to be providing the finest of wine. Well, I better get my act together and, and get my game up there so that I know what I'm doing when I'm at Jesus' dinner table. And I don't even know what, like, I don't know how to... Is, yeah, is this a Merlot? I, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know anything about wine, okay? So I need to get that together in my life. But, but more than that, it's saying this is the picture that is coming to pass. This is what the promise is. The banquet, the meal, it's coming. I'm setting the table. I've prepared the way. We know who the guest list is. We know what your table manners should be. We know kind of how the menu is constructed. And there will be a day where it's time to eat. And that's a pretty powerful picture. You know, it's interesting because our culture has crafted such a, a, a weird place. We live in such a weird time in history where we... Are, seem to be more interested in watching people have interesting lives than actually having interesting lives. What in the world are we doing in our world today? We, we would much rather watch somebody else compete in a sporting event than go out and play in a sporting event, especially like basketball. It looks painful to me. My knees hurt just watching people. But we, we just rather sit back and watch people experience like a competitive game. Um, I have a few TV shows that I watch that are like the most boring shows in the world. I love watching uh, shows like about business, like The Profit, where they're like, people are out there working and building their business and making all this stuff. And I'm like, look at them doing interesting stuff. They're building a company. And I like watching it and sitting there and just like observing. I have another show that I watch called Gold Rush occasionally, where they're out looking for gold in the Colorado mountains and out in Alaska and they're hunting for gold. And I have it set on my DVR and uh, my family, I'm like, hey, got another new gold rush on. I might watch that. It's a Friday night, crazy night. Might watch people mine for gold. My family's been making fun of me like crazy. My, my wife is like, are you kidding me? On Friday night, we're gonna watch people mine for gold? And uh, she was making fun of me behind my back and my daughter and wife now make fun of me all the time whenever I watch the show. They're like, oh, look. There's gold over there. We better go get it. Oh, 
Wow, look, the machine is broken. We better fix it. So they, are, they always make fun of me watching people dig for gold. But I don't know why. I've never digged for gold. And it's kind of fun watching people dig for gold. We, you know, we have these worlds of all of these things where we like to watch interesting lives. But we don't participate in interesting lives. And the worst, far and away, the worst of all of them are the cooking shows. That's the worst. There are, I tried to figure out this week how many cooking shows there are on TV right now. And I got to, I found, I came across, you ready? 300 and I stopped counting. Over 300 cooking shows on TV. This is the cooking shows that, here's some of the cooking shows. Artie Party, Ace of Cakes, Alex's Day Off, All-American Festivals, All-Star, All-Star Academy, All-Star Gingerbread Build, All-Star Halloween Spectacular, America's Best, America's Best Cook, America's Dinner uh, Revival, Appetite for Adventure, Ask Ada, Aisha's Home Kitchen. Those are, those are some people here like know these shows. Okay, so the, these are just the cooking shows that start with the letter A on TV right now. Okay? It's insane. And my family uh, likes to watch these shows sometimes. They like to watch the little cupcake shows and they like to watch the cooking big cake shows. Um, my son is here. Sometimes, Titus, I tell stories about you when you're back in the kids' church. He's filling in for us uh, doing the video because our uh, we have lots of people gone today, so I'm going to tell a story. Don't get mad at me, okay? Um, but our, our, my family will watch these cooking shows, and my son and daughter are sitting there like watching these people make these ridiculously fancy meals. Like, oh, it looks so good. Look at that. Oh, and the plate looks so nice and everything. I'm like, you would never eat that. You eat peanut butter and jelly. What do you, like, what? What are you talking about? And they're like, oh, it looks so good. And then the people sit there, and they Oh, it's so good. And I'm like, you can't eat it. You can't eat the food. You don't get to eat the food. How unsatisfying to watch people make delicious food and you don't get a stinking bite. It's crazy. This is our world. We live in a world where we would, we have virtual meals. And let me tell you something that uh, very profound that I found about virtual meals is virtual meals provide virtually no nourishment. Okay? I'm pretty sure on that one. Virtual meals provide virtually zero nourishment. And that's what we do. We watch people's interesting lives. Millions of people a week watch cooking shows and only a few people get a bite. Only a couple. And we're living in that world. And so it's interesting, within that context, that we think about the dinner table that Jesus invites us all to. It's interesting, in that context, where Jesus says, there will be a banquet. You will have a feast. And it will be awesome. You know, there's a very interesting story 
that is kind of confusing to me, but I think um, tells us a lot. In Luke chapter 24, and I want to read it to you today. Luke chapter 24. This is right after the resurrection. Almost immediately after the resurrection, Jesus uh, appeared to his disciples, and the word is starting to kind of get, get out that the tomb is empty. And this little interesting story takes place. It says this. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Of course, Jesus, the word that Jesus had resurrected. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? He asked. But Jesus is being sneaky here. This is awesome. Okay. I, was he wearing a mask or what was going on? I don't know, but... He prevented them from recognizing him, and he's playing along. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, found it, just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow to believe all the things that the prophets had spoken, like in the book of Isaiah that we just read. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? In the beginning, with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them all that was said in Scripture concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it was nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within while we talked uh, while well, he talked with us on the road, and he opened the scriptures to us. At once they returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and those with them assembled together, said, It's true, the Lord has arisen, and has appeared to Simeon. The two told what had happened on the way. Now Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So what a strange, interesting story that Jesus 
on Easter Sunday, in the afternoon, decides to go for a little walk and starts walking and hanging out with these people who are who are hearing the words about Jesus, not a part of the inner circle of the 12 disciples, but he just walks alongside them and, and, and has this conversation. And he, it says, the scripture says, that he tells them everything about himself. He tells them all throughout the Old Testament, all the things that led up to this moment in time and explained it. The person here, um, Cleopas, is it clear? Yeah, I don't know how to say names like that. But uh, he may very well have been the, the lead pastor in uh, Jerusalem later on. Um, we're not sure if it was him or somebody else. But uh, there is some record that maybe he was that person later on. And it's interesting to think about. They were walking. They were trying to figure out. But they didn't recognize him. In that moment, walking right alongside Jesus. And you didn't even recognize him. Didn't even, didn't even get it. Didn't grasp it. That they were walking among the risen Christ. I think about, you know, obviously there were some different things going on. There's a painting, a famous painting about this scene where the painter like shaved the beard of Jesus because he thought, hey, maybe that's how Jesus disguised himself. Maybe when you go and you're crucified and you're raised from the dead, maybe your beard hair falls out. I don't know. But they didn't recognize him. They didn't, rec- they didn't, they didn't know it was Jesus. And I'm thinking about all the different times in my life where I was walking along, doing things, Like, I'm muddling along in my life, trying to figure out the direction, trying to figure out the way I should go, maybe even crying out and saying, God, where are you? And Jesus is walking right alongside me. And I didn't even realize that. And I didn't recognize it. And and it troubles me, and I wonder, and I think about sometimes when we gather here on Sundays, or when we gather in our prayer groups, or around our family dinners that we have as a church, or different groups, and we're, we're, we're kind of walking along, and maybe we're halfway engaged, maybe we're kind of trying to follow along, and we have a moment in time, an opportunity that we can walk into the presence of God, and we kind of don't get it, and we're not there. And I think there's been many times where each and every one of us has been there and has done that. And we didn't recognize. Maybe we can look back and say, I get it now. But it just troubles me thinking about this picture, walking side by side and missing it and not recognizing what God is doing. You see, God promised way before Jesus showed up, that the table was being prepared. Everything was being set up. And there will be an incredible great banquet. There will be a feast. These two were, were as they're talking and they're having the conversation with Jesus, they're like, you know, here's what we were hoping. We were hoping that Jesus would be the Messiah, that would be the answer 
um, that would bring salvation, that would bring like about all this change. We were hoping that would happen, but he died, and we don't know. Mary said he's gone. We don't know what's going on. What, you know? And they're like, they're like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly what, what's going on. Their expectation of what they thought was going to happen was just, just different, and they were confused, and they were hoping... But they weren't quite sure if Jesus was going to show up, if Jesus was really the answer. And so they have this conversation, this confused conversation with the resurrected Jesus. And it's so fascinating that it isn't until that point in time where they gather around that meal and Jesus takes the bread and breaks it. And kind of reenacts the scene that we've seen multiple times through this series. If you're keeping track at home, this is the third different passage we've read in this series where Jesus breaks the bread, gives, or gives thanks, breaks the bread, and passes it out to people. And they have this dinner, this meal, this encounter with Jesus. It's, it's, I am surprised as I was going through the series how many times over and over in Scripture... Jesus does this, not just like that communion scene that we always think about. But he takes the bread and is at that moment, they're like, wow, we get it. And their eyes are open and they see what God is doing. I want you to think about this. There's many times where we don't grasp or understand what God is really doing in this world. There's many times where we're similar to these two walking along, hoping that God shows up, hoping that there's redemption, hoping that there's salvation, and we're not quite sure what's going on around us. And Jesus promised us before he showed up, there's a banquet coming, there's a feast coming, and you will have your full, and everything you need will be provided for. And the thing about it is, We will sit together and we will dine. Pretty cool, right? This is the hope. And sometimes we are, we're like, God, I am not quite sure what the plan is. Here's the plan. This is the plan. This is the plan for the entire human race. This is the plan from the beginning of time. This is what has been like kind of set up and prepared. This is what has been happening, is that the whole point of all of this, this whole world, this whole life, is that Jesus was preparing a moment where he would have dinner with us. That's it. This is what life is. Life is moving towards dinner with Jesus. But we all understand that there's more to it than just, you know, food. More to that. It's that relationship. It's that sitting down. We all know that around that dinner table, it's where we come together and we have relationships. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been having our family dinners at our church. And we'll have our last one tonight where we have little small gatherings in different people's homes. And, you know, it's... It's been so much fun 
that it almost tempts me just to cancel our Sunday morning service and just have dinner every single week. Because it's so fun to gather around and instead of just like trying to read the minds, but based on the facial expression you have up here, like if you're tracking with me, like to like sit down, just have a conversation with people, talk about like, what is it we're doing here? How can we encourage one another on? What can we do? How can we support each other? And it's like a close-knit bond that forms whenever we've been gathering for dinner. That's the point. Do you understand that? That is the point. The point of human history is our creator wants that relationship with us. That's the point of all of it. That's the point of all of it. That Jesus shows up and he goes throughout the Gospels proclaiming his kingdom one meal at a time. One-on-one at dinner. And that's what he does. But we live in the world where a lot of people watch others eat meals and never partake. Never have a bite. Wow. Right? There's so many people in our world that watch other people feasting and never participate. How sad is that? This is the picture that God unfolds for us. There's no mistake about what Jesus did in the last moments when he was on earth with his disciples before. Before we crucified. Look at the picture. Gathered with his friends. Looked them in the eye. Talked to them. There's several different like words of encouragement he gives at that dinner table. He then has a meal with them. And has that fellowship. And has that moment. And has that time. That is, is really important. But there was people that would show up and hear Jesus preach and they would be like a face in the crowd and never had that moment in time. And I'm really afraid that sometimes that's me and sometimes maybe that's you. That we watch and we don't experience that relationship with with God. If you don't taste it, if you don't actually eat the meal. How sad. All prepared and the food goes to waste. The picture in scripture of what God is doing. You may think I'm crazy, but God says, I will bring my kingdom to earth through people like you and me There will be people all throughout the world, in all nations and all tongues, that will gather together, that will worship me, that will be my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. And those people will gather around and have meals together. And they'll invite other people in because the table is available to everyone. And they will be a covenant community that's like, Hey, I got your back. I'm here for you. We're here for one another. And everybody will bring what they have 
They'll bring their potato salad or they'll bring their side dish. And everybody will sit down together at that meal. And there will be enough for everyone to have their fill. And it will look a little bit like heaven on earth. That's the picture in the scripture about the body of Christ, the church, that God gives us. I am a little biased, but I believe that the greatest gift that God gave us to thrive is the community of faith. And I'm so saddened when I hear about so many people's experiences with their relationship with God where it's watching somebody on TV or sending out an occasional prayer. It just feels like to me like they're watching a show and they're not at the table. They're not feasting together. In Revelation chapter 19... The scripture kind of closes the loop, almost. In the Old Testament, it says this is what is going to happen. When Jesus was here on earth, Jesus sat and dined. And then in Revelation chapter 19, it's looking forward to what's to come. And the scripture says this. I heard a sound like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and the, and the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen, little, little uh, side note here, fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Do you see these pictures all coming together? That the scripture says that Christ has come and you are the bride of Christ. I've set the table. I've prepared. And there will be a day where we feast. Where we dine. And those people who eat that and participate in that meal, wow, they are blessed. They got it. It's my prayer for you that you recognize Jesus has walked beside you your entire life. He's been there. He's been there walking and comforting and guiding and teaching and instructing you. And he is ready for you to take a bite, to enjoy. Guess what he did to do that? He 
gathered friends like this. Local groups of people in neighborhoods all across the world to come together and encourage one another on. And when we talk together and we pray together and we sing together, Jesus is there. And when we participate and we all do our part and we follow up on what God designed, we get to feast. We may not think that this is how it was going to be. We may say, I was, I was thinking and hoping maybe it would be a little different. But now look around, taste, and realize this is the gift, this is the banquet that Christ prepared for you. And ultimately, in the end, when we gather in heaven, all of those other things will fade away and our eyes will be open and we will realize what God has been doing since the beginning of time. Will you join me in prayer? God, what an incredible picture. The banquet, the table that you invite us to. God, it's, it's my prayer that each and every one of us would realize and recognize that you've prepared the table, you set it up, you're walking beside us and you want us to, to feast. God, sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes we don't show up to that table. Forgive us. Open up our hearts. Open up our eyes so we would see you clearly. We'd see what you're doing. God, and just like you did, help us to sit down, eat together, have fellowship be united in love, in one spirit. To enjoy our relationship with our creator and one another. To join with your people at that table. God, I think of this morning, all of those people all over the world who are walking around looking for something. God, I pray that we would invite them to the table. God, we love you. Fill our hearts. Help us to enjoy your presence in this moment. Just be grateful. I invite you right now just to offer your own prayers. 
There's no doubt that each and every one of us have had moments in time where we walked around thinking we're alone when Jesus was right beside us. The answer that he had for us was maybe in a friend that was reaching out to us. And maybe we just didn't respond. Realize and recognize the table has been set. Jesus wants us to participate, to join, to enjoy what he created. Thank God for the offer that he gives us. And the appropriate response would be to say, yes, Jesus, I want to be there at that table. I'm there with you. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for the times I neglected or ignored. And God, help me to enjoy what you designed and created. Take a moment to offer your own prayers to God.